everyone. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Um, we have, we're really excited today. We have a really cool guest star. Um, guest star? Is that what we're calling guest it? Guest star. Guest star? You're a star. You're a guest. <laughs> um, so we have my friend Antonia. Uh, Antonia, what's up? Oh, what's up? <laughs> Welcome. Happy to be here as a star, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the star obviously so um Antonia and I did our master's together at Guelph we both did our master's in biotechnology it's really funny because we didn't meet each other in our undergrads even though we both went to Guelph but we did our we, master's. we all did yeah right. we all did all three of us yeah and we never crossed paths even though we definitely had class together at 100%. one percent what did you take in undergrad I did biomedical sciences we definitely had all of those like yeah. first yeah. you know introductory courses I was literally looking at my transcript the other day because I needed it for something and I was like oh god yeah. going back and thinking about all those courses I was like oh you would have had a lot of similar courses um oh yeah because you were nutrition yeah. right and nutraceuticals yeah yeah cool okay so then you took your master's in biotech as well mm-hmm. and how did you like that and do you think that um, taking that extra step and doing your master's was beneficial and did it get you, do you think it got you to where you are today? I personally think I would have gone to school regardless in that time frame because it was COVID there was nothing else to do so I was like okay well I'm going to use this kind of to my benefit to go to school again. I was really excited about it honestly I found it's like what you make of the program so I think it's really important to know which way you want to drive like the learning outcomes. So for example, even at the end, when you start to like look for internships, look for projects, all these things, everybody was doing very, you know, heavy science-based sort of niched, I guess, projects or projects that they came by in like a workplace because they wanted to be working while they're doing school or whatever it may be. I found my professor on my own for my project and I actually kind of spun it a little bit differently to find um, it was about skin cancer and how indoor tanning can affect skin cancer, but more looking about how these businesses communicate on social media platforms and seeing how that kind of makes changes in the population. So my, you know, project compared to somebody who was studying like, I don't know, the mitochondria, right? Mm-hmm. It is very different, but I, th- I think that's kind of what it is right you got to make sure that you have those passions and lo- look for what you're looking for they give you the freedom to do so so I don't know why you wouldn't do it and like a lot of people ended up in projects that they didn't want to be doing mind you I don't know if I really wanted to be doing mine either in terms of the scope of work but th- the content was interesting which so yeah that's what I cool. try you know you just try to make the best out of everything <laughs> and and you did because now your job saying in the skincare line your what's what's your title I don't even know it's account representative um so it's kind of based around just helping clinics like medispas plastic surgeons um people kind of like that with pharmaceutical grade skincare um so having that background and research definitely helped like having kind of an understanding of even, you know, how they communicate on platforms and everything. And, mm-hmm. and that background helped. And I think, I think having extra schooling under your belt really does just kind of set you apart. Like Kayla and I can laugh about it all the time. But when people look at our schooling, and they go, Oh, you're your master's in biotech. That's so cool. Like, Oh, my God, that's so amazing. And I look back, and I'm like, that was probably the easiest schooling I've ever done. Yeah. 
like you know so it really it really makes a difference but also you know maybe it was easy because it was stuff that we wanted to be learning so I don't know it's like one of those things and we had each other (laughs) yeah I think that you made a really good point about like making what you want out of it because like I was able to do the same thing and explore different research topics like I explored like IBS and and the gut brain access because I was interested in it and then in another project I did um skincare and like anti-aging and that kind of thing so yeah I really think that it's important to focus that and then you can use that to your advantage in the future like if you do your master's and you get to pick different projects like you can present that to jobs saying oh I did this research project in my master's on this and that's really beneficial so that's cool that you did that yeah, and it really is what you make of it, and in, in masters especially, I, I think it's a different step from undergrad, and you can usually take it whichever way you want. So that's really great that you did that, Antonia, and really enjoyed your time. Um, but speaking of, so you did your undergrad, you did your masters, this project with your masters based on skincare. You now work for a pharmaceutical grade skincare company, so along the same path. But how did you get from your masters? to your pharmaceutical grade skincare company? How did you make that connection? And what was that like? Okay, so I've always been like, even in school, like I remember it would be second year. And I'm like, Oh, my God, I'm never gonna get a job. Like, I'm never gonna get a job. I have to do this, this, (laughs) this, like, there was a time where I was literally looking at programs. And I was like, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go do an MBA. And I was like, nobody's gonna accept you to do an MBA. You don't even have working experience. Like, where do you think you're going? And I was like, I don't know. I just feel like you're gonna make a lot of money if you have an MBA. And so it was like that. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna go into public health. I was like, I hate public health. Like, what am I doing? So I had to like take a step back and like really scope first. But it kind of still stuck with me. Like, even when I was in my master's, like you and asked Kayla, I'm like, I'm literally never gonna get a job. I'm gonna have to go back to school to do some sort of like advertising or marketing course because I've learned nothing, like I don't know anything, whatever. Yeah. So I would like literally be on LinkedIn all the time and it'd be pharmaceuticals. And I'm like, okay, am I gonna go work for like AstraZeneca or Pfizer or like all these big pharma companies? I'm like, I don't know enough. Like they want MDs, they want PhDs. Mm-hmm even for like sales positions. I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) So I was applying to like these random jobs. I would like go on LinkedIn, find people who worked there and message them and be like, Hey, could you just help me out? Like, what's your job kind of like, like a day in the life? What do you talk about? How do you do it? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I narrowed down what I really wanted to do. How I stumbled into cosmetics, I honestly have no idea. But I have been using this, not me personally, but my mom has been using the skincare brand for so, so long. Mm -hmm. popped up on my LinkedIn I was like oh my god mom should I apply and she's like oh like I don't know I don't I don't know Antonia I feel like that's kind of like more of like a senior thing like you kind of have to get your like feet on the ground whatever and I was like "Ah, whatever I'm just gonna apply for like the giggles of it and honestly like took off like you can ask Kayla I was literally interviewing for like months and every time like I don't know it sounded good I hope I get it and I like every person that I met from the company I was like wow like this is definitely like a culture that I would love to work in but I was again scared that I wasn't gonna get a job. So I got job offered in like eye care. <laughs> and so I was working for about six weeks in a job for marketing. Um, it was a company that basically just sold to ophthalmologists, optometrists, people like that. And I remember I took that job while still interviewing for my skincare job because I was like, I'm never gonna find a job. So what if this doesn't go through? And then, you know, I'm gonna be saying no to somebody and I'm not gonna have a job. 
worked there for six weeks and then got jobs offered at my current off at my current job. And I was like, okay, bye. I got to go. I had no reservations. I was like, this is something again, you got to make the most of it. And nobody's going to look out for you except for you. And there was a lot of people in my corner who were like, I don't know if that's a good move. Like these people invested in you. And I'm like, yeah, well, I hate my job. So I'm going to something that I know I'll like. And I don't know. I just kind of got thrown into it, (laughs) but I love it. So it's okay. She's still there. So that's good. (laughs) I love that you're like, yeah, I love that you said no one looks out for you, but you, I think that's so important. And like, you kind of have to do what you have to do to get like where you want to be, you know? Yeah. So you do for sure. And it was so funny because like being with Antonia through the whole thing, she was like, I hate this job. Like her other job, she's like, I hate it. And then when she got the, her like skincare job, she was like, oh my God, I'm so happy. And I like, she's loving it. So it's so good to see, but it just, it really shows that I know people say it all the time, but it's like, if you love your job, you never work a day in your life, which, you know, you come to learn isn't really true. You're still working, but you get, if you enjoy it, it's much more, it's a much more enjoyable experience. So that's great. Um, but you love skincare, which is good. And do you think you're able to apply your scientific background to that all the time or? hundred percent. So like a lot of the stuff that kind of comes with my job is product knowledge. Like I have to go in and train these, um, just people that work in these clinics because they don't really know, like if I name something, you know, moisturizing or what's in there that makes it moisturizing or what, you know, sets it apart from something else vitamin C's, everything like that. So we kind of have to know the scientific basis of how it's really active in the skin to be able to train mm-hmm. these nurse injectors and these estheticians and, and plastic surgeons. So when I first started the job, I remember um, somebody said to me, you know, the first is like enrolling and like getting to know the people and everything. And then comes product knowledge. And that is like a whole chunk of my job is product knowledge, because I really have to know what each ingredient does to explain why it's formulated the way that it's formulated. So I like geek out over that stuff. My coworkers will literally text me in my group chat and they're like, okay, I had a question about this, this, and this, like, why can't you use them together? And I will literally draw like all these studies and I'll be like, this is why. And they're like, okay, you could have just said yes or no. (laughs) Like, I know. (laughs) So I have a question like about what's the difference between, between, or like, how do you know what product is medical grade skincare versus like a drugstore skincare product? How do you know? It like if I was just someone had no skincare knowledge and I went into the store or was looking for a new skincare routine, how do I know what's medical grade or pharmaceutical grade first, just like a normal drugstore? Even because sometimes I feel drugstore ones can look like fresh, like very legit. So, yeah. So, medical grade, pharmaceutical grade, things like that have to be dispensed. Um, basically from a clinic like they have to be under a regulatory body so it could be somebody like an md or you know just somebody that has that that healthcare background because they're products that are basically being formulated as medical products Mm -hmm. so when you think about like going to get a prescription right you're going to go get your prescription from your doctor and fill it at a pharmacy kind of similar with the skincare except you don't have to obviously go fill it at a pharmacy but it's like going to a dermatologist and then giving you product so medical pharmaceutical grade skincare you're not going to find at the drugstore um something that does set it aside as well is because they're dispensed through kind of health governing bodies i guess it has to be formulated in a certain way right so even if you think about i don't know cosmeceutical products for example those don't have to be formulated in certain ways so even thinking back in like our science background 
good clinical practices don't have to be followed when it's a cosmeceutical product. It doesn't have to go through extra testing. They don't have any sort of regular regulatory body um, mm. that focuses on like even their inky labels. So whatever they're claiming that's in the product isn't always regulated. Pharmaceutical and medical grade skincare have to, you know, govern under the FDA, Health Canada, wherever they're de- being dispensed. Um, some of these products even have drug drug indication numbers, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So it just really kind of goes to show how they're being formulated. So that's kind of how you can tell the difference is where they're being sold. And then on top of that, because they are being sold through a medical director, you're, you're kind of, I guess, it's kind of hard to say, but you're basically being guaranteed that that product is active right? Because they can make those claims and they can check those inky labels and it goes through all that strenuous testing. So you know that what you're buying is what you're buying. And I think that was a big thing that I had learned because, you know, follow like before this, obviously I was using drugstore skincare. I didn't really know. I would do my research on active ingredients and thought that I was using the right things. But for two years, I was still having cystic acne and hyperpigmentation and all these things. And starting out a pharmaceutical grade skincare company, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be the skincare rep with bad skin. (laughs) Like that's going to be me. Like I was like, guys, I've tried everything. I know I'm using the right product. They're like, no, just wait. And it honestly took about four months for my skin to settle down. But I don't think in my whatever, 23 years, my skin has ever been like this. And I always thought it was hormonal or I don't know what I was eating or I would never blame my skincare products, but a lot of products could actually be more damaging than, than good because you don't know what you're, you're putting on your skin. Wow. So the main difference there is just like the governing bodies and the regulatory pathways, the testing, all that stuff they have to go through. And obviously it's more, it's more potent, right? There's like, let's say BHA, for example, then there's way more if you see that in a drugstore than in your skincare. Yeah. So what I always say this is just my general rule of thumb now being in the industry. If you're looking at a product and it says like your ingredient, so like BHA, for example, and then USP, mm-hmm. USP means that it's been tested to ensure that it's 99.9% pure. So whatever pro- it, like ingredient that they're, they're saying is in there is USP grade. You know that you're getting the purest form that you can get. And that can't be on the inky label. Like if you flip it over and look at the ingredient list, that can't be on there unless it actually has been batch tested. Wow. Yeah, because I actually, this is one of the topics that I did one of my master's project on was like the regulation of these products, of cosmetic products. And like, even if a product has a certain ingredient in it, it has to be identified like as a drug or a drug, like have a drug identification number which means it literally has to be like approved by Health Canada, show studies that it actually works. So, I mean, that makes sense to, to like gravitate toward medical grade skincare because it's proven to work where other products could just take ingredients that are like known to work and put it, put it all together in a bunch of different other ingredients and say, oh, this is going to work because vitamin C worked at during this one study in this product. So yeah yeah and it's even so funny because it could go down to like 
the form of your vitamin C, right? If it's not L-ascorbic acid, then it's actually not working on the skin. So it's like, but you wouldn't know that, right? As like a general consumer, I will go buy vitamin C, it says vitamin C, so I'm going to buy vitamin C, but it could actually be something that's not recognized by the skin and has to be metabolized, then you're just losing those actives. So it's like all these things that you wouldn't really think of. And the only reason that it like even sticks with me is because I have that science background. And so I think a lot of it just comes from knowing. And I think that it's important to share that knowing because again, people don't know, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Even like something that's comedogenic, which means like pore clogging, basically, right? Some products that are cosmeceutical are are comedogenic. So you're actually, let's say, trying to treat your acne, you're making it worse. So could you give us like an example of something that would be pore clogging? Uh, It really just depends. Like it could be anything that's formulated in like a heavier oil. Um, I find oil bases are quite comedogenic. But again, it depends on skin type, right? Mm -hmm. So some people can use a little bit of thicker oil bases. Like I'm even thinking, you know, when you get a serum, I honestly, I used to even buy my serums at like Marshall's, Winners, HomeSense, you know? So you can go buy a serum and it's like thicker and then you have something that's been oxidized. I always say if you're buying a vitamin C serum, one, it should be L-ascorbic acid. Two, when you open it, if it's yellow, don't use it. Yeah. because that means it's oxidized and it's not working for you. So that could be comedogenic because it's actually sitting on the skin and congesting it rather than penetrating the skin. So just things like that. It's more of the quality of how it's formulated rather than what actually ingredient is comedogenic, if that makes sense. Because if it's not penetrating the skin, so if it's really thick, like I even find people who are using hyaluronic acids that are really thick, if they're not being pulled down into the skin, they're actually just sitting and kind of congesting the skin. Right. Another question about that. So do you, what do you think about toners? And cause toners are supposed to draw that product more product in, right. It's supposed to help. Um, do you believe that? And what do you think about that? Yeah. So it depends on the toner. Like I know there's a lot of toners out there that are glycolic and lactic acid. I don't look at those as toners. Those are actually like minor chemical exfoliants. So like a minor chemical peel, you know? So a toner to me should pH balance the skin and act as an anti-inflammatory. And the reason that I think that's important is because to pH balance the skin means that your active ingredients that are pH sensitive, like vitamin C are going to penetrate. Yeah. Right. And then an anti-inflammatory is really important because if your skin is like kind of freaking out, it's not going to accept the next product that's coming in, right. It's going to reject it. So it's just trying to calm the skin and formulate it that way glycolic and lactic acid toners should be used as a chemical exfoliant so after your serums if that makes sense um so i know there's one that actually works really well i think it's it's like a witch hazel base i just can't remember what it's called off the top of my head that one is an anti-inflammatory so that's a really nice one to kind of calm the skin before you actually use your next product instead of aggravating it with with a chemical toner right so people should be looking for like anti-inflammatory ingredients in their toners yeah exactly okay nice (laughs) that's a good tip there you go pro tip from our star um we now you've been talking about vitamin c and you said the actual chemical name and i'm gonna make you repeat it for everyone but can you talk about vitamin c specifically because i know there's a lot of hype around it and I work with collagen, so I know the pipe and how people change it in the media and all this stuff. So 
Can you talk about vitamin C, the benefits, what the actual name is, repeat it one more time, and how you can put that on your skin and what it actually does? And like in a um, layman's terms. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> vitamin C. <laughs> vitamin C is L-ascorbic acid. So I think like this molecule is really unstable just itself. So a lot of um, brands out there will have it in powdered form. And then you actually have to mix it by yourself. And that's just because some brands just haven't figured out how to stabilize it just yet. Um, but L-ascorbic acid, if you think about it, like when it's on your skin, your skin recognizes it and brings it in. That's kind of how it, how it should be. If it's any other form of vitamin C, it has to go through different steps before it's actually absorbed by your skin. Um, what it does for your skin, it it's an antioxidant. So if you think, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that we're exposed to in, in the day, just our sunlight. I mean, you're going to wear sunscreen for that, but our sun, what you eat, what you drink, even stress can cause things that are called free radicals. And what this antioxidant does is it actually takes them out of your system. Um, so that's a really good thing for your vitamin C and kind of the main reason that we use it, because if you think your skin's stressed out, it's going to start breaking out. It's going to, you're going to see wrinkles. You're going to see skin damage because it's getting this extra damage from your environment and from your diet and and what we're exposed to every day because of that it acts as an anti-inflammatory so people who have in, inflammatory conditions like rosacea acne even maskne mm-hmm. it's going to really help to kind of again calm the skin right so you're taking out all those extra aggressions to really see how your skin's going to work on its own that's kind of what i say it's kind of bringing your skin down to baseline right because having inflammatory issues in the skin is typically what people are looking to try and fix right acne rosacea um even hyperpigmentation so your vitamin c will also help brighten the tone of your skin and act at your kind of i'm trying to think in layman's your pigment producing cells to slow those down as well so anybody who's experiencing pigmentation from sun exposure again or even acne like acne hyperpigmentation after you've picked your acne this is going to really help to calm those processes so i just look at it as kind of an overall benefit right who doesn't want to bring their skin down to baseline who doesn't want to calm the skin so we say like a triad of your anti-aging should always be a vitamin c that's l-ascorbic acid Mm -hmm. a retinol and a sunscreen and that's going to be your first steps to really fighting those first signs of aging you just you're just on it because our next question was going to be, do you have any anti-aging tips and what we could do? So there we go. We already got there. So your three tips were vitamin C or L-absorbic acid, a retinol and sunscreen. And before I let you talk again, I just want to tell a little story here. So Antonia and I went out for lunch in the summer and we went out and we're sitting on a patio and it had like umbrellas, but I was like, oh yeah, yeah. And Antonia's sitting and she's like, the sun was in her face and she's like, no. I, I need to switch. I can't be sitting with the sun in my face. And I was like, aren't you wearing sunscreen? And she was like, yeah, but I can't be in the sun. And so I was like, oh, I'll be in the sun. And she was like, that's terrible. No, but we switched it. I sat there happily in the sun. Kayla so. loves the sun. <laughs> I've always been a sun baby too, but not on my face. Like I literally just came back from vacation and I am tanned from like the chest down, like my hat, my sunglasses, like everything. Like I'm like this. And my boyfriend's like, what are you doing? I'm like, you're gonna laugh when I look literally 10 years younger than you and we're the same age like I don't care I Nicole Kidman doesn't sit in the sun 
<laughs> I see the exact same thing. And like my face is like white and everything else is like tan. And <laughs> I, oh, actually, I wanted to share this before I move on. Um, I've been using this like stick. It's almost like a deodorant stick and it's sunscreen because I used to have this powder that I would reapply during the day because, you know, people don't have time to like put like lotion all over and I it got lost or stolen. But <laughs> and I found this like um, stick and it's so nice. It's like a 70 and I, you know, it doesn't really matter after 30, but like I use it because it's just like, I don't know. You don't have to like put lotion on your hand. It's just like a little deodorant stick for your face. Wow. is it thick though no it's not it, it doesn't go on too thick it's like dewy almost but like not it's not like is it the super goop one no this one's actually neutrogena oh, wow. but i want to look into more ones because the stick is like really convenient my favorite sunscreen ever is from antonio's company just saying <laughs> <laughs> okay Good. now i want to ask you about retinol Okay. So tell us some more about retinol. Like what, what should people look for? Should they have a product that's just straight retinol and like quietine, whatever, or like products that have retinol in it? Um, when should you start applying retinol? Like what age should you get retinol just for under the eyes or for the whole skin? Give us everything. <laughs> okay. So just from my eye care experience, you're actually not supposed to use retinol. that was like I was literally I know I was in a marketing meeting one time and they're like what kind of like products do you want to see in the pipeline and somebody's like an eye cream without retinol and I was like why wouldn't you want retinol and they're like retinol can actually cause dry eye and I had no idea so I was like oh my god like I'm like oh my god this is probably why I can't wear my contacts all day because I've been using like cream that has retinol so that's just from my eye care experience apparently you're not supposed to put retinol on the eye and if you do, it's only supposed to be under the eye and not like your eyelid. Okay. Good tip. Okay. Crazy. Never thought it. Did you put um, retinol on your eye before, on your eyelid? Not on my eyelid, but I was still freaking out because they were like, I mean, you shouldn't use it in general. Like They even told wow. me like lash serums, like lash serums to grow your eye lashes. Yeah. They were like, that is so bad for your eye health. I was like, okay, well, we need- that or extensions <laughs> and those are really bad for you too so I don't know what to say <laughs> for your eye health but again I still would go get extensions like they're really bad for your eye health but there's a lot of things bad for your health you know you just got to pick and choose but the <laughs> retinol <laughs> the retinol I would I would stay away from putting it at least on top of your eye <laughs> good to know okay but um retinol I guess what to look for. It's kind of tough. You want to make sure that it, that it's active. Um, they're all derivatives of vitamin A, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really start seeing a retinol work in my skin until I started using pharmaceutical grade. And I think that's just because most of the ones that are pharmaceutical medical grade are micro encapsulated and slow release. So what that basically means is the whole retinol is going down into your skin and then it's slowly releasing its actives. So you're not kind of charging the skin front loaded. It's yeah. constantly acting in the skin. I also will say that retinol, a lot of people look at it as an anti-aging benefit. It's going to give you anti-aging benefit because it's basically bringing like fresh baby skin to the surface. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it's known to do. But in, you know, when you're thinking about that, then it's really decongesting the skin. So even people who have like deep acne, cystic acne, cystic acne, you should actually be using a retinol. 
what to look for. Yeah. Again, I, I, it's tough for me because I was using, so I guess a fun story, I was using retinol before and they always say, you know, you have to build up a tolerance to your retinol. So I was using a cosmeceutical product. I think it was like 0.5% or 0.2%, something like that. It was quite low and it was a serum base. And I used it, I was using it for about six months. So I was like, okay, I'm sure I have some sort of tolerance. And then when I started working again for pharmaceutical grade skincare, I was gifted a 1% complex. Mm. And I was like, okay. And it was a, in, a, in a cream base. And I was like, well, why is it in a cream base? And, and a colleague of mine was like, oh, it's, it's because it's, it, you know, formulated so that it's like a calmer retinol. And I was like, okay, well, if it's calmer, then I'm sure I could use it every night. Oh, boy. oh my god I put it on for like four three nights in a row or four nights in a row and I was like sitting in front of my window here and I could feel the sun it wasn't even open like the blinds are closed but I could feel the heat and I was like I'm about to scratch my face off so it's not like I was having an adverse reaction it was just mm-hmm. working way too fast for me like it was I was like it had almost like a minor chemical peel that's what it looked like and I was like what is going on because I just didn't know how potent these pharmaceutical yeah. ones could be especially because they're slow release so like you're constantly adding more retinol and there's still retinol in the skin so it's just like layering it on layering it on so by the end of it I was like oh my god so then I like completely dialed back and did once a week for like a month and then twice a week for like three months and I'm finally on like my every other day and like if you have a slow release retinol you only need it every other day and I'm sorry I'm saying day but you should be using your retinol at night wow look at that fun story <laughs> I was terrified <laughs> I believe you were yeah, I think a lot of people also get like discouraged with retinol because of that experience mm-hmm. and like they always say like to yeah you have to like work into it you have to get used to your, your skin has to get used to it if that's starting- I think it has a bad reputation yeah because like people when you have an adverse effect to mm-hmm. retinol it's actually just working too fast for you so it's like you have to dial back and how long is retinol? Because a lot of these skincare products, it takes a while for you to see some results, right? So I think retinol is one of the ones that's not, you don't see the results right away. Is that correct? And how long do you usually have to wait if that's true? The product, right? Like I, again, was using Cosmeceutical mm-hmm. previously, and I found that your skin maybe starts to level off at like the six month mark, mm-hmm. maybe with my current skincare I saw I saw a change in like the tone of my skin in about two weeks wow and then I noticed like major changes in I would say like a three-month window so what is the serum you recommended to me that I now have so that's you have a vitamin c serum and then it has a chemical exfoliant in it and um like arbutin so I think that the ordinary has an arbutin Arbutin is known to help with hyperpigmentation as well. Um, But that one I find especially helps a lot with acne hyperpigmentation. It's so good. That one product has wanted me to change my whole skincare to pharmaceutical skincare. So good job. So (laughs) let's say someone's listening this and now is really inspired to get some pharmaceutical skincare and you said that they have to be distributed by someone. Mm-hmm. Where would one go to get this? How does it, how do they find it? What do they look for? I mean, if you know what brand you're looking for, of course, you can go to that brand, see where they sell it, things like that. Most of the time, if you're looking for something like this, you're going to look for a Medispa mm-hmm. or a dermatologist 
or a plastic surgeon. Now those last two, obviously you're not walking into for skincare. You're already there, <laughs> you know, um, medi spas. If they have, you know, like filler, Botox, Dysport, things like that, they'll likely have medical or pharmaceutical grade skincare. Perfect. Okay. That's really helpful because I know I was trying to see a ter- dermatologist way back when, and again, might have been just COVID related, but they were like, you have to wait three months. And I was like, no, that's ridiculous. So if anyone's listening and you need something quicker than three months or whatever the lead time is now on a referral for a dermatologist, go find a many spot. <laughs> so I know you mentioned um, the triad was vitamin C, retinol, and then sunscreen. So do you actually know, let's just ask you what your skincare routine is. Like give me from, and then I'll ask the question I was going to ask, but from let's do morning. What do you do in the morning when you wake up with your skin? I just want to say too, I don't want to overwhelm anybody because at first, like I was like, this is too many steps. I'm going to spend too much time in the bathroom. Like this is ridiculous. And now I'm like in and out of the bathroom in like five minutes. Like it's honestly not the biggest deal, but it is an intimidating at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so my morning and my night are different. Mm-hmm. My morning, I will wash with, um, with a wash. that's like an acne wash. So like a, like a salicylic acid base, um, toner. And then I will use my vitamin C serum. I have a hyaluronic acid that I use. Um, so just for our people listening, what is the hyaluronic acid going to do? Hyaluronic acid is going to help plump your skin by hydrating it so basically what it does is it helps pull water out of the environment into your skin so it's going to plump it and hydrate it at the same time Mm -hmm. Um, and then I use a chemical exfoliant so lactic and glycolic acid which are both working on the surface of the skin to kind of help with pigmentation Mm -hmm. um, any kind of congestions things like that Um, I think that's it and then I use a sunscreen of course of course um and then at night (laughs) i'll wash and tone i have a gentle cleanser that's more of like an antibacterial cleanser especially when we're dealing with masks and stuff it's kind of gross so i'll use one of those just and i'll i'll wash twice like take off my makeup with it and then wash again just to make sure i'm really getting in there I'll (laughs) i'll use my vitamin c um and then what do I use? Oh, I have um, I have a cream that's kind of based with like those natural brighteners, like I was saying, like the Arbutin. Mm-hmm. So I'll use that. And then I have a cream that's formulated with prebiotics to help um, feed the skin microbiome. So I'll do that. And then I'll go to bed. <laughs> so my, is- my morning is like more steps than my night, which is funny because normally people like like to sleep in a lot of layers. Yeah. So you use vitamin C morning and night? Yes, I do. is that what they recommend yes so we say morning and night just because there's no like there's no like harm in using it twice there's no study that's been done in terms of like saying that you you can't use it twice or that it makes you extra photosensitive or it makes you have contraindications or what it may be my only thing is maybe if you're like sensitive skin type and you're just working into these things maybe start slowly but i again i started like using everything every day all at once like it was crazy and and I learned my lesson that way but again there's there's nothing that will make you extra sensitive in terms of using it morning and night and now Alexa is prebiotic something you've heard before for the skin microbiome because that's not something I've heard before so that's super cool yeah I've had I've had (laughs) 
I have heard that before. Pre and pro. I don't think I ever tried a product with. Actually, I think I've tried a, a wash, like a face wash with that. But because oh. we've talked about gut microbiome, but on skin. So there you go. Yeah, yeah I always try to like explain that. I'm like, okay, so like you know how you eat Activia <laughs> to make your like tummy happy? Like, you need yeah. this to make your face happy. <laughs> well, it's like our two largest microbiome spots are our skin and our gut. Mm-hmm. So like. We love that. Protect them both, girl. Them both. <laughs> we should do an episode, Kayla, on skin microbiome, actually. That would be cool. Yeah, we should. It's <laughs> cool. I'll have to research because I didn't know it was a thing you could feed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, what was your question, Lex? Well, I was going to ask what was, I kind of have two in one here. I want to know what skin practices that you believe in that are like everyone must do and kind of goes along with what three or two top two products or ingredients that they need in their skincare routine. Well, I told you my triad. Yeah. So if I, (laughs) if I had to like, and, and like, we can even like take it a different way. Okay. Always a vitamin C serum. There's a lot of vitamin C serums out there that all ascorbic acid serums. I was saying that also have Mm -hmm. other active ingredients. So can that, still counts as one product but you know things like peptides to help with your collagen um things like that Mm -hmm. so vitamin c if you don't want to use a retinol you could always substitute with some other type of exfoliant right so the whole point of a retinol is to decongest the skin by bringing new skin cells to the surface if you're using a chemical exfoliant you're still decongesting the skin and allowing for your, your skin cells to come up on their own so if you're still scared of retinol, still a little bit nervous, you can use, you know, a lactic or glycolic acid, or I think the other one's magnelic, azelic, those ones that are going to help clear the surface of the skin. So vitamin C exfoliant, it doesn't have to be a retinol. And I am still holding true to my sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Perfect. <laughs> I personally use a mineral sunscreen. Um, but there's also a chemical, like chemical derivatives that you can use as well. They both work very well. It just depends on your skin type. So anybody who is a little bit extra photosensitive or sensitive to heat. So things that get aggravated by heat, like rosacea, for example, you should be using a mineral sunscreen because a mineral sunscreen is going to give you a block. Like it's like a physical block. So that's why sometimes people look a little bit chalky when they wear them. Mm. Chemical sunscreens kind of soak right into the skin. But what happens when you get sunlight is it disperses it in the skin as heat. So again, you're not getting damage, but it's just protecting you in a different way. It's kind of breaking up those rays, I guess you could say, rather than shining them off. Cool. So I like to use a mineral sunscreen because I like to feel like, like I said, hats, sunglasses, like blocked by the book. <laughs> but both work very well. What do you think about like other sources of retinol? like a plant-based one or have you heard of those before? I honestly haven't. Okay. So very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I just know that there's like ways to get retinol, like different forms, but I just wanted to know what you think, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> interesting though. I kind of want to look at it now. <laughs> there you just go. Like from a natural skincare per- um perspective there's a lot of like plant-based retinol that are in those kind of products Mm -hmm. what do you think about like natural skincare versus um medical grade 
So I think it's kind of hard because medical grade, like it's formulated again in a way to like, it's safe. Like it's been passed through all those steps to really say like this formulation is safe. It's been tested, especially pharmaceutical grade skincare. They like they actually go through those clinical trials, right? So there is that backing. There's all those studies on file. Like they have that research to say it is safe and what it does. Things like natural beauty. Again, there's that research. Um, and sometimes it's anecdotal, which is fine. Um, but they have that backed research. The only thing that makes me nervous about natural beauty is you really don't know like what, <laughs> like trying to find the words, you don't really know what else you're getting in it, right? So things that don't have preservatives. I mean, I personally, I don't think preservatives are like a bad thing because you're making sure that you're not growing like gross bacteria in your skincare. People don't like to touch their cream because they think that it's going to add pro like, um, what's that word? Oh my gosh, guys, help me. Slab. You like put the wrong thing in the wrong thing. <laughs> Contamination. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> wrong. Right? You put the wrong thing in the wrong thing. So it's just like those things, right? Again, there there's a huge spot for natural beauty, like holistic nutrition, like all these things. If you know that it works and it works for you, that's awesome. But I don't think that we should knock medical and pharmaceutical grade skincare because it has you know, mm -hmm. different ingredients. Yeah. So I think it really just depends on what you're looking for. I don't think this one is better than the other. I just think that it really depends on what you're looking for. And I don't think that one has a necessary evil and one doesn't, if that makes sense. Good. That's a good answer. I like it. I feel like most people who like, well, this is just even being in the pharmaceutical realm. If you believe in the pharmaceutical realm, you usually bash the natural and vice versa, but that's a really good answer. So mm -hmm. thumbs up. <laughs> I just don't think yeah. you should be scared of you for, you know? Yeah, no, hundred percent. So good call. Alexa, do you have any more skincare questions before we get to the fun part? Um, okay. Maybe one more. I was going to say, I'm sure you can <laughs> pick your brain all day. <laughs> this is more for like our listeners. And um, so I know pharmaceutical or like medical grade skincare can be more on the expensive side. Is there any way that, or any, yeah, is there any way you could get it like cheaper? Like, is it, or is any medical grade skincare going to be expensive? Like, do you know what I mean? Is every medical grade expensive? I think you have to think about like the reason that it's priced the way that it is, is because of all the extra like mm -hmm. testing and stuff that goes into it, but also the purity of the product. So even thinking about like how much you have to use. My vitamin C serum, I use two drops in the morning, two drops at night. That thing will last me probably five months. So, you know, how long you can get out of it really does speak to the price as well. Like, I remember when I first started using serums, like I would like take the whole dropper and like pour it across my forehead, pour it across my cheeks. And like I was putting on way too much because it was sticky and I needed that much to kind of spread around my skin. That means I'm going through it a lot faster but I know the price is still different, but you're using a lot more of a product when you really don't need to be. And then on top of that, you can look at it, what it's actually doing in the skin, the results that it's giving you. Right. So you, you, I don't know. It's like one of those things where it's like, you get what you pay for. Yeah. Right. If something's $5 off the shelf at Marshall's, it's probably $5 for a reason. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like that notion where it's like, yeah, sure. You can spend $5 on it, but you're not getting out getting anything from it and then you're going to keep spending five dollars on something that you're using quickly and that's not 
even being effective. So it's a good point. Exactly. Well, now the fun part. So everyone loves our debate topics. We've got a good one today, um, Antonia. So debate topics. We're going to ask you a question. We'll explain it. And we want to hear your thoughts. And then we, we obviously get all our listeners to vote and, and everyone has fun with it. But so how do you cut a bagel? Do you have your bagel open face? Or do you have it together and like cut down the middle, like Tim Hortons style, for example? Like when you get a bagel at Tim Hortons, they cut it down the middle and you got two halves. But if you do it at home, you cut it open face, I'd think. I don't know. Alexa, what do you, what do you think? You go first. Open face. At home, <laughs> open face, for sure. Antonia? Okay, if I'm reading it at home, it's 100% open face. Like That is too much bread. Also, I just find like the, the bagels that you make at home are like chunky, you know? But like if you go to Tim Hortons, they're like flat enough that you can eat them closed. It's a good point, actually. I swear. It, they're different bagels. They have to be different bagels. <laughs> I say open face too, but like now thinking about it, it's an extra step to eat it the other way. Like you would have to cut it in half toast it, cream cheese it, put it back together and cut it one more time. Like, what's the purpose of that? Yeah. And then, no. like, are you still cream cheesing both sides and closing it? Or are you just cream cheesing one side and closing it? Because then that, like, why would you eat it that way? No. No, and that's a good point. Cheese. Seems like a waste. We're all open face. That's, that's the answer. Yeah. I, I like the point about more bread because you want to taste the cream cheese. You know, if it's open face, you, you get the good comp, the ratio going Guys, I, I don't know. I put like a thick layer of cream cheese either way. So I want cream cheese to bread ratio be two to one. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> cream cheese, too. <laughs> well, is there how do you take your bagel while we're talking about bagels? Antonio, how do you take your bagel? What do you mean? How do I take my bagel? Like, like, like I put on it? <laughs> like, what's, bagel? what's your go to bagel order? Oh, literally just cream cheese. But I hate when you go to Tim Hortons or something. And okay, first of all, have you ever had a bagel at Starbucks? They make you put it on yourself. Yes. I'm like, I'm literally in the car. Like, what do you want me to do? And then I'm forced to eat it open faced. So it's making more of a mess. Anyways, I hate when you go to Tim Hortons and they only slough it in the middle. I'm like, how am I supposed to eat all my cream cheese? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the worst. But plain bagel or plain bagel with cream cheese? Mm-hmm. Yeah, plain bagel. Mm-hmm. okay good choice i respect it alexa um mine's everything bagel toasted with cream cheese and yeah, but you get fancy yeah <laughs> <laughs> if i'm feeling spicy then i'll do well actually i would do like a ses- sesame seed bagel with herb and garlic cream cheese i was gonna say i didn't know that cream cheese at tim hortons they had like fun cream cheeses until alexa and i started living together would go to my she'd be like she'd be like oh can i get a jalapeno cheddar bagel with the sun-dried tomato cream cheese and i'm like what is this <laughs> i was just like everything bagel cream cheese man and she's like gets fancy with it at two mornings anyways but nothing beats That's- a bull ring bagel with cream cheese guys i've never had those <gasps> i lived there for years never you never went to the bull ring and had a bagel with cream cheese no, they make the bagels in the. Actually, I don't know if they make the bagels there, but they make the cream cheese there. It's, it was fire. what? I gotta go back. You Kayla, have, what like, program are we taking next? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'll see a picture of the boring. I'm like, 
the bagels. It, no, the cream cheese was phenomenal. Like, insane. I don't even think everything's open now with COVID. Otherwise, I would literally get in my car and drive to go get a bagel. <laughs> I actually don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if the boring's open. Anyways. All right. Well, Antonia, thank you so much for coming out in the podcast. Um, if our listeners have questions, we'll drop you them. So anyone reach out, have questions, we'll let Antonia know. Um, she never answers my text messages anymore, but it's fine. Uh, we're <laughs> I'll get her sometime. <laughs> you know what? Kayla warned me when I asked her if she was saving this puppy or not. So I just think it's payback now. <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, anyway, so drop us a line. We'll send Antonia a message and we hope you enjoy. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. It was it was a great-